listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody out in the world. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. You're getting weird now. <laughs> okay. So I feel weird now. You do. Squeeze my arm. You are weird. <laughs> so this is episode 78. We're just going to get it out right away. Boom. Happy New Year again. Yep. Because we were so late on the Happy New Year's. Hey, it's 2020. That's really fun. It's 2020. I think that joke is getting old now. Uh, 2020 will never get old. No, I guess not. Because it's just so weird. It is weird. It's weird to write it. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I haven't, I, you know, normally I make mistakes when I start writing the year. And this time I'm like, it's 2020. Every time I write the year, I'm like, this is so weird. I thought we would have flying cars by now. I know. I, you know, I thought we'd be living on the moon and traveling in space and all those really cool things. Uh, I thought Manhattan would be a prison island where Kurt Russell would thrive. <laughs> I know. None of that stuff has happened. No, none of it. Not a single thing. But... But what lots is of happening? Real stuff has happened to us. Yeah, some and, real things. Yeah, real things have happened in the right. real world. So we talked last week about my fantastic hospital stay Yay. and how we survived that. Um, hopefully I sound just a bit better today than I did last week. I feel so much better because, A, I got to go to the gym and work out today. It was amazing to be able to go and lift weights. Ah. <sighs> I it was it. amazing. That's an inside joke. No one gets that. I don't care. I wanted to say it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so good to be able to go and move around. And you know if you've if you've had any kind of like injury or sickness and you've been constrained and you like to work out, when you finally get to go back and do something, you're like, I'm so excited. I want to do all the things. But I did kind of temper it a little bit today. And because I, A, I haven't worked out in a few weeks like that, and I just didn't want to get overly sore where I can't do anything tomorrow. Yeah, and this is one of the things I tell a lot of people when we start talking about fitness is you can't make up workouts. No, you can't You can't look back and go, oh, I missed 17 workouts, and I'm going to try to cram them into all one day. <laughs> and I'm just as guilty of doing this as anybody else. Oh, yeah. Because last week when I finally got back, you know, kind of into the groove, I was doing... Uh, sprints with some of the youngsters, and I totally tweaked my hamstring. Thought I pulled it like off the bone, but it's apparently <laughs> well, all right. Well, that's the thing of like you tell me not to overreach when I start back, but then you go off and do it. Well, it's fun, you it's know, because I get funny. out there. Sprinting is fun, like running hard is fun. Um, so you kind of get into it and you're like, oh, this is fun. And then you try to crank it up uh, from, you know, from low to high, and your hamstrings are like, that's not us, bro. <laughs> we don't do that. That's not me anymore. You might want to check back with young Steve because old Steve is right here right now. <laughs> You're not old Steve. So, but you know, that, that's one of the things. It's New Year. Everybody's working out. Take your time. Get back into it slow. Kind of like Melody did today. We went to the gym and she got to kind of like, you know, 
goof off and lift some weights. I did a, I did back squats, you know, leg workout. So leg workouts are usually a little more intense. Mm-hmm. And I was like, should I do a leg workout today? Yeah, I should do a leg workout today. <laughs> and so I did all my back squats. I did my my I did basic bodybuilding stuff. I'm kind of staying away from too much heavy cardio right now just to let my lungs my lung kind of like build back its strength because after pneumonia, it's funny because um, the pneumonia is gone. I'm done with those god-awful antibiotics. And, but I had a little bit of pleurisy pain. And so the reason why I kind of knew what it was is I've experienced it before. And it's two membranes in your lung tissue that the, they just kind of rub together. It starts normally they slide like satin. And then when they get a little bit uh, dry or a little bit of buildup in there, either one, they rub like sandpaper. Mm -hmm. And you feel it every time you breathe, cough, sneeze, anything. Yeah, the fluid in that pleural cavity gets dried out. So when your lung rubs up against the edge of it, it, you you feel it. You feel it. And it doesn't feel pleasant. So that's kind of going, that's pretty much almost gone too. But it's an after effect many times with uh, any kind of like, pneumonia or even like maybe a bronchitis or anything like that it can happen so after dealing with all that I didn't want to do too many like hardcore hit things but leg workouts really if you want it to be cardio just go a little faster (laughs) and so when you start lifting weights if you want it to be cardio just lift weights faster I love that cardio you mean lift weights faster and, you know, I've been doing that as well. I've been doing more of a circuit type, you know, uh, do an exercise for, for max amount I can do it and then just take 15 seconds rest and go to the next exercise and do that for like 30 minutes. And just, yeah, that's cardio weights. It's all in one. Well, you know, and we, today we haven't been to the gym since the very beginning of the year. This was our first time in there and we pulled up and the parking lot was so full <laughs> and normally it's not. Yeah. And I, we happen to work out at the same hospital that I was in. They have a really awesome gym that we belong to. Mm-hmm. Fit and Wise Indicator. Indicator in um, Texas. And when we pulled up, I was like, oh, there's so many people here. I forgot. It's the beginning of the year. And about February, March, it kind of starts slowing back down again. But you did have this morning, and I, I do love to see this. You have all your older individuals. And when I say older, I'm talking like, you know, your 60s and 70s and above. Right. Well above. And they're all in there. They're doing a class down in the gym. And it's so cool to see all them together doing that. And then there was a ton of people up on the cardio machines, mostly in that age bracket, because they're doing what they can do. And um, they do they do a lot of machines, which is awesome. So I just think it's it's fun to see that age group in there doing things. Mm-hmm. It's great to see them in there, and you know, I'd much rather see them, of course, lifting weights on those machines than than you know, sitting on the recumbent bike or doing the elliptical. But right. I, either one, if you're getting out and being active, now you're going to be healthier. Uh, with either one, but again, I I prefer to see them lifting some weights. Right, and some of them they're there doing rehab, so they're on a program with the hospital doing some of their rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So you know you don't know what's exactly going on with them, but it's awesome. It was really crowded, but it was fun to go. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, last week we talked about being on antibiotics and kind of touched on on what you do after that. So now that you're you're done with your antibiotics, uh, you know going forward. 
what is uh, the protocol that you're going to follow or try to reinvigorate uh, that those uh, you know microbiome you got going on? All my and bugs. All your bu- all your bugs. And talk about the reasons why what they told you in the hospital would not work out. Okay, so if you listened to us last week, you know that um, with the amount of antibiotics that, I mean, any antibiotics you take, it's going to mess up your gut microbiome. So while you're actively on antibiotics, it's really kind of a, a, a loss to start taking probiotics while on them. You can do it. You can do it away from the dose at least two to four hours away from that dose of antibiotics, usually after it, where you're going to have, like, if it's a a one-time-a-day antibiotic. While in the hospital, there was no reason for me to take antibiotics. I was on an IV 24 hours a day, having antibiotics, like, intermittent, like, some of them were every four hours, some was every six, some was every eight. So I was on antibiotics all day long. So no reason to take probiotics. No reason to take a probiotic, which they offered to me several times to mix a probiotic for me into pudding. Mmm, pudding. Mm, pudding. But you know so, why you couldn't have your pudding? Because you didn't eat your meat. They didn't even have any meat. <laughs> so, so you know, they offered to give me pudding with antibi- with probiotics, rather, mixed into it while I was on antibiotics. And I was like, this is such a disconnect. No, I'm just going to say no. No, I don't want that. And so... Let's let's start with why I'm gonna what I'm gonna do now. What I'm gonna do now is I'm just gonna go back to eating normally. Like mm-hmm. our normal eating pattern is primarily carnivore. Um, we drink coffee. We stay away from dairy mostly. Um, I do a lot of collagen peptides and bone broth. And just in this next little bit, I probably will add in. And I have added in some homemade sauerkraut, which is full of uh, probiotics, and some Bulgarian yogurt that's very low in sugar. So it's it's like five grams of carbs for one big cup, which is more than I'm going to eat at a time. But just those two things, which are no sugar, um, are things that I'm I'm going to incorporate and see how it works to re-inoculate that gut microbiome and still eat steaks. Um, I'm going to stay away. I don't eat vegetables. Um, you, you know, there's really no reason to do that. Your gut bacteria is, is there based on the food that you eat. So I'm just going to eat in a way that I normally eat to build that gut, gut bacteria needed to process those foods. Right. And, and so something else you talked about before we came, <clears throat> came on air was we were talking about sugar. And you mentioned why it was, you know, if you put probiotics in your pudding, why it wouldn't work. And then you talked about, uh, you know, the, the dangers of, you know, after you get off your antibiotics, if you go ahead and start eating sugar how that's going to affect right. you. Right. So a lot of you guys are keto and you know this, you know, or you're, or you're carnivore or you're experimenting with it. Um, sugar not only disrupts your, your blood sugar and dysregulates that, but when it comes to your immune system, it doesn't take very much sugar to suppress your immune system by 50%. And the reason why that is, is because if you look at sugar, sugar is completely void of all nutrients and minerals. So we know that it competes with the same cell receptor as vitamin C. So not only is it stealing minerals and nutrients, but it's also competing with that receptor. And the carbohydrate or the glucose 
is going to get in the cell usually before the vitamin C. There's a, a they're antagonists. So now you've also weakened your immune system by not being able to utilize vitamin C and stealing nutrients from your body to actually metabolize the sugar. But the big thing with sugar is it actually will put your white blood cells into sort of a coma. So what are white blood cells? White blood cells are the thing that in your blood that will elevate when you have an infection. It's primarily a bacterial infection. So with me, my blood white blood count went way up, almost to 30,000. Mm-hmm. And if I had had sugar, I would have put that those 30,000 white blood cells, which their job is to scavenge that bacteria that's causing the infection and eat it and kill it. And if I suppressed that by sugar, eating sugar and put those little guys to sleep, then now what's helping me fight my infection? Exactly. And, and that's the difference when we talk about having a healthy lifestyle and, and catching a sickness and being able to fight it off opposed to an unhealthy person who that happens to and say they have a low white blood cell count normally because of how much sugar they eat. Now, um, it's going to be much more difficult for them to, to fight that virus off or bacteria off uh, even when they go to the hospital and get you know intravenous antibiotics. Right, because now you're strictly relying on that antibiotic versus it helping your own immune system along. And the reason why that's important is because when we start looking at recovery, like for me, I was in there for three days, but what I was told was there were people who were there for two weeks, who had been there for two weeks, who were younger, and they were having a more difficult time fighting this. And that's important because... I could have been in that same boat if I had chosen to, yes, give me the pudding, give me the Sprite, give me the graham crackers, give me the cake with my food. There was really (laughs) a setup for disaster there with the food and what you're offered. And and this is how, when you start, you know, we always, we we always kind of, you know, uh, strive against some of the stuff the medical community does. And we don't, you know, we don't dislike anybody in in the medical community. We think they're there for good reasons. But the teaching, uh, what they've learned is often uh, counterintuitive to what you should really do. And we talked about getting a C. diff as well has one of the dangers of taking antibiotics is you, you're now you're uh, more likely to get possibly get C. diff. Right. So that's one of the big warnings on the antibiotics that I was on was the danger of C. difficile, which is a bacteria that grows in your intestines. And a lot of people die from it. It causes diarrhea and it causes a lot of inflammation. And um, the reason why it's important is because they have a very difficult time treating this. Um, from what I understand, it's very antibiotic resistant. So it's, it's a very serious thing. Uh, the first line of defense against this would be your stomach acid. Mm-hmm. So you're really strongly warned in the literature, not so much by the doctor I had. She was she didn't even tell me not to take an anti an antacid. I don't obviously take them, but if someone and how many people are on proton pump inhibitors, antacids like Prilosec and all these different things or just even the over-the-counter Tums. Just taking Tums, yeah. That they take. And the reason why that's important is because it suppresses your stomach acid and that's the first thing that's going to kill that bacteria when it gets into your stomach. And it's really important that you don't suppress that stomach acid 
while on these antibiotics so that you don't leave yourself more, more vulnerable to these other bacterias. Right. And that kind of leads to the point of when, when doctors do things that are, that are counterintuitive. Like, uh, you know, when someone comes in and they have heartburn, they automatically prescribe them an antacid, you know, a proton pump inhibitor to deal with that when it actually might be that they don't have enough stomach acid. Right. And we've talked about that so many times on this podcast um, in different episodes about why you get heartburn. And, you know, there's very few people who have an ex, a, an, um, like, a, too acidic of a stomach, a stomach that's too acidic. Oftentimes, and I probably, I said that really terribly, but whatever. (laughs) Um, When someone goes in or they feel that heartburn, generally what's happening is they don't have enough acidity in their stomach and a gas builds up and it pushes that valve in our throat that allows some of that stomach acid to come up into the esophagus where it's not protected by a mucosal layer. So it burns. And any stomach acid, no matter how how uh, neutral or acidic it is, it's going to burn when it gets into that unprotected area. So the general idea of most practitioners, um, our medical you know, community, is that, oh, you have too much stomach acid, so let's suppress it and you'll be more comfortable. When in reality, they should be taking something like a, you know, a hydrozyme or a, a hydrochloric acid supplement to increase the acidity of their stomach so they don't experience that buildup of gas and that uh, valve opening to allow that stomach right. acid to come up. And, and they should talk to you about their food practices, like you know, how they eat. You know, it's they, never going to happen. You know, do you drink? <laughs> do you drink a little bit of water before you eat? Do you prepare to eat? Do you eat your food sitting down? Do you eat on? You know, rush. Um, all those things go into whether or not you digest your food properly. And if you do those things, all those poor practices, you're going to have uh, heartburn. Yeah, and so you know, like you said, it would be wonderful if every doctor had the time that it takes to talk to each patient about these things. But they don't. They've got like a seven to ten minute window with each person. You can't hardly say hello and how have you been with a seven to ten minute window. Um, so it's almost impossible. And that's why, you know, this field of nutritional therapy practitioners is really important because we have that kind of knowledge to help someone and to, to help the medical community, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be a lot less sickness and a lot less medications prescribed if you just had the chance to sit with someone and really tell them what you're going through and to really peel back those layers and see what those root causes are. So C. diff, it's just, it's just interesting that you could go into the doctor and you could get prescribed an, an antacid or some form of stomach acid inhibitor. And then when you get prescribed an antibiotic, it's like, oh, well, we thought you had too much stomach acid, but now... Don't take that antacid because we don't want you to suppress any because you have to have the stomach acid to be able to protect yourself from C. diff. It's just really interesting that they're almost like it's like they almost are getting it, but they stop short of all the information. Right. It's like, how can you tell someone that they need a lot of stomach acid so they don't get sick, but then you give them an antacid to suppress their stomach acid? It's topsy-turvy. It's so crazy when you start looking at what what things that they do that actually conflict with each other. Right. So, 
one of the things you said a second ago was like, why would it be important to not stay away from sugar or Mm -hmm. eat certain things when you're coming off of antibiotics? And this is really at any time because whatever, and we've said this before, whatever you eat kind of dictates gut bacteria and who lives and who dies down there in that big community of of our gut. It's a battle. Who lives and who dies? I always think of it like, you know, if you've seen Men in Black and when they open that locker and there's that whole world inside the locker and they're like, <laughs> Jay, that's your gut. It's like they had that whole like ecosystem and world in that locker. That's your gut. Mm-hmm. All those little bugs and they're going, Jay. Was there, is there a strip club in your tummy? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> why would there be? Why did you go there? <laughs> because in the little locker, they all went into the like. The, oh, did they? The whatever club. I don't, I don't, I don't remember know. what. Might have been a strip club. Might have been just. Might have been just a bar. I don't know. It could have been a coffee house. Could have been a coffee house. I don't know. So I don't know. I don't remember that part. <laughs> I just remember they were so cute and it was funny. And that's what I think. I I equate that to how your gut is. It's a whole world within a world. So. You've got all this magical gut bacteria back down there. And if you feed it a bunch of sugar, the bad guys win. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the ones. And we're talking about things like candida overgrowth. It loves sugar. Loves it. Like, loves it hardcore. You know, like when people tell me, I love to be keto, but I just love bread. That's your candida talking. <laughs> that's not right. Right. That's the that's the, uh, the little bugs that love bread talking through you. It is. And a lot of times we don't realize that those cravings we have, they're not really our cravings. They're their cravings. Right. Those little monsters that are living inside you. I love to think of them like that. <laughs> they're like little monsters. <laughs> Give me bread. Also, what's the uh, what's the other uh, bacteria? The, the helicopter bacteria? The helicopter. Yeah, helicopter. Heliobacter. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. H. pylori. H. pylori. There you go. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah, you're feeding that as well, and that's not good. Yeah, well, yeah. And so in your in your gut microbiome, whatever you feed it is what's going to be the prominent bacteria there. And we don't even know. We haven't even t- scratched the surface hardly of right. that world. And it's so amazing because that gut bacteria, we do know now... Um, that it's linked to our how our brain functions. Right. It controls your emotions, your yeah. moods, your patterns. Um, it's just like there was a study out that kind of floated around this week that uh, they showed that uh, you know low cholesterol, you were more likely to die of a violent crime the lower your cholesterol was. Mm. And also it showed, uh, in, 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 I think it was in apes, uh, that having low cholesterol increased um, aggressive behavior. So when someone tells us they have like cholesterol under 180 or whatever, we need to be afraid of them. Right. <laughs> I'm just I, kidding. I, I, well, I usually tell them, well, you're more likely to die than me. That's usually what I say. Because mine's over 400. Yeah. I'm, I'm winning. <laughs> it's a race. It's, it's Everything's a race. So, you know, it is really important to, you know, to look at that because when you've been on an antibiotic, and I think I mentioned this last week, and I've told you this several times while I've, I, I had to take it, that every time I took it, I felt super spacey. Mm-hmm. Like, not Kevin Spacey. He's a terrible person, apparently. <laughs> but I felt really spaced out. Kind of like, hey, yeah, let's get some coffee. I felt drugged. And that's one I of really the did. side effects they talk about, about you know taking antibiotics, is you know it, it changes your mood. It does because it, what does it do? And how did we not get this for so long? It 
kills all the bacteria in your gut, and then you're not making those good hormones that are like traveling to the brain Mm -hmm. because it's that gut-brain connection. So whatever's happening in the gut is happening in the brain. And, you know, I mentioned this again. I'll mention it again. I said it last week. The one thing that I did do, every time I took the antibiotic every day, I've done two doses or two, two servings of therapeutic exogenous ketones. Right. And I, I would say it made a huge difference. Um, I have posted about the antibiotic, and I had a lot of people that reached out and told me, you know, there's a term for these fluoroquinolones, like I've been floxed, floxy. Um, those are the two terms I know where people, they say I got floxed yeah. or I'm a floxy. And I've had some really sad stories come across of people who took it and their lives have been forever changed. And so I'm not going to say that, you know, it can't happen to me because, you know, so far I've been fine except for the brain fog. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know their backstories and what was going on with them before. And I'm not going to say that, you know, they weren't living healthy because I have no idea. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, a lot of people, again, we go back to this, they think they're they're living healthy and they're doing all the right things, but are they really? Because they're getting that information from poor sources. It, it's just like, you know, I'm reading, uh, we got this anatomy and physiology book that we keep around that, you know, it's just there for perusing and reading. And, you know, you're reading about, uh, you know, fats and stuff, and, and they keep emphasizing to not eat saturated fat, but they also tell you to cook with margarine and corn oil. I know. So, it's so and, sad. And this is the education that you're getting in college. So, again, a lot of people think they're doing the right things, but are they really? Especially if, you know, it might not be right for you. And, again, we're going to talk about, you know, it's the beginning of the year. Everybody's trying to do the right things. And we're talking about people who they eat more vegetables. Yeah. Because of they want to get the antioxidants. Well, what's the first thing that most people say when they decide that they're going to eat healthier? I'm going to eat more vegetables. More fruits and vegetables. More fruits and it, vegetables. It even says it in, the, in the, that anatomy and physiology book. That's what can someone do to be healthier? Eat more fruits and vegetables. But is that I really know. the case? And, well, you know, and a lot of people will say it because, oh, I want to get more antioxidants. Mm-hmm. And I just think that one of the most interesting things that... Um, well, it's one interesting thing. There's been so many There's over so the many years. interesting things out there. But... Dr. Georgia Ede had said, showed a a slide at one of the low-carb conferences that we were at. She was talking about plants and antioxidants and this this idea that people have that they have to eat all these things to get antioxidants. Mm -hmm. One of the things was, you know, pomegranate juice. Well, you know, if you go to the store, you see it on the shelf and it says full of antioxidants. You know, it says all this. And... So in her presentation, she showed that the particular antioxidants contained in the juice actually are not metabolized and absorbed by the human body. So what you actually end up getting is if you drink one of those whole things of pomegranate juice, is about 54 grams of sugar. Right. It was like so much sugar. Yeah. You're like, wow, that's that's comatose sugar right there. Right. So it's, it, you know, and it's all from fruit. So this is a burden on our liver. And then you're looking at it as sugar. So here, what is sugar actually doing? And we just said this at the very beginning. It's suppressing your immune system. Mm -hmm. So the very thing you got this juice to do, which was to be an antioxidant to boost your immune system, 
can actually cut your immune system down by half, just with three and a half ounces of that juice. So how scary is that? If you're not informed, these are the things that marketing sells to you. And that's why it's so important to become such a savvy consumer when it comes to foods. You have to be because they're, they're, they're straight up lying to you. Right, just what they're doing. Right. I even read uh, an article just today about arsenic in bottled water. That one was, because that surprised me because it was Whole Foods. But then when you told me who owned the company, I was like, eh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, Keurig, Dr. Pepper. They made uh, they had a, a bunch of bottled water that they were selling that, that was pretty high in arsenic. And it was through Whole Foods. It was yeah. their brand, branded right. as their brand. Uh, it which, was, I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, you know. Well, it's, it's the Whole, thir- it's the whole uh, 365. Um, brand from Whole Foods. Well, there was a, there was a quite a few brands. It wasn't just one. Oh, okay. There was there was multiple brands out there that had issues with having arsenic in water. <sighs> it wasn't just one. It was multiple ones. Now, uh, some of the uh, like Voss and Dasani and and some of the other ones they you know they were fine, uh, but that just you know leads it back to man these people are just trying to make money, especially off bottled water. I know we've laughed about this before. Is like if you grew up in the seventies and eighties. Bottled water was was a hilarious idea. It was like, really you're gonna you get it for free out of the tap, and you're gonna pay for it in a bottle. And now bottled water is way more expensive than anything else you get in a bottle. Right, and the the thing is, is you know, there's a lot of controversy around the bottled waters too. I watched a Netflix uh, episode of I think it was that show Rotten. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but it was about bottled water. And the big thing was, like, some of these communities, it's a spring that someone came in and went, I'm going to take that. And they built around it, and they basically sell this water that comes up free-flowing in the community in this spring back to the people. Right. And it's like, what? You know, it's crazy. Well, you know, when we went to uh, Austin, the capital, they had the water fountain there that was from a spring. Uh It was a public spring, and people would fill up their water bottles or water jugs or whatever they yeah. wanted, they would fill up from that spring and take it home. Yeah, I remember doing that in Hot Springs, Arkansas, filling up bottles mm-hmm. with the spring water when I was a kid. And and you might say water's free. People will say that it's a free resource. It's not. You you pay for it. If you live in a city, you pay a water bill. Water, and we've said this before, water's the next big crisis. It is the next thing that's going to be a huge issue because wah, everybody, wah. everybody, everybody drinks it. So, uh, you know, maintaining healthy water is going to be a problem in the future. And that was the Debbie Downer portion of the show. Bah, bah, bah. So what do we do for water? So my thing was I forever wanted to get one of those Berkey's mm-hmm. with the fluoride filter. Because, which is funny, because the whole idea with the antibiotics I just took is that it has a fluoride, a fluorine attached to it. So... The way that the fluoroquinolones work is fluorine or fluoride, and just think about this for a moment, that allows the antibiotic to bust into the cell and kill the mitochondria. So it doesn't differentiate between good bacteria and bad bacteria. It just sees bacteria Mm -hmm. kill it. You know, it's like, what would you say in the military? What's it like? A seal? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yep, just wants to kill it. Just wants to kill it. Yep. So, just joking. But... I'm sure a bunch of seals just cringed. 
And I'm sure they all listen. You no, know, they're, 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 if, if a seal was listening right now, he's like, yeah, you're right. I kill shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, what we do. So the fluoroquinolones have that fluorine attached to the actual antibiotic, which allows them to do this damage. Now think about the fact that your water, your water has fluoride in it. They put fluoride if in it. If you live in the U.S., you've got fluoride in your water unless you live on your own spring water somewhere. Right. So this is interesting. Fluoride's in your toothpaste. Fluoride's in so many things. And you don't need hardly any fluoride. You you can you get it naturally mm-hmm. from you know just food that is grown in the ground. Very very micro grams. Like you don't need much at all. But when you take your water and you drink it, and then you brush your teeth with fluoride toothpaste, and then you know all that stuff, you get fluoride in your body, which actually is a negative thing to have. You don't want that. It builds up in the brain, all these different things. So, you know, the Berkey, and we don't have any affiliation with Berkey, but I love the fact that I can get a fluoride filter. Mm-hmm. And I I felt much better drinking that water. I know that I can, what combats fluoride? Well, um, you would need to take iodine to help flush out fluoride. So now another thing that I'll be doing to get rid of this fluoride that I've been taking um, in the form of an antibiotic, is to ha- drink my unfluoridated water and also have some extra iodine in my diet. I had shrimp last night. Um, I'll take some liquid iodine. Um, I'll be doing some things like that just to make sure I flush it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, and fluoride, by the way, was never in water was never proven to prevent cavities. That was just a no. guess. They just kind of like went, let's do this and I see know. if it works. Let's put this in our drinking water. Should be cool. It's so sad that mm-hmm. that they. I mean, and that's something that's very very hard to undo. Right, and the, also you know on that same subject subject, there are people that were that were advocating for putting statins in the water as yeah, well. Yeah, just like the fluoride to fight heart disease. You mm-hmm. know, let's just put statins in everything, man. It'd be cool. It's another thing of where you don't really understand what the mechanism behind the cavity was. Mm-hmm. So you know that fluoride kind of hardens the enamel on the tooth. So you just figured just feeding it to everybody through water, giving it to them in water would be great. Right. But without going, oh, it's the sugar still in the minerals and nutrients out of the bones and teeth mm-hmm. that's actually the problem. Yeah. And they just, they didn't take that next step. No. And that's just people, and again, they might have thought they were doing a great thing and helping people out when they were not. Yeah. So, you know, good luck finding somebody to admit they made that mistake. Okay. How did we get off on water? Oh my God, we're out. Well, bottled water. We're talking bottled about bottled water and arsenic. You know, this is a podcast about health, and water is pretty yeah. healthy. So <laughs> we kind of went down that road. We kind of did. Because <laughs> you know, your body is like sixty percent water or some stuff like that. Sometimes seventy. It depends. Sometimes seventy. For me, it could be eighty because sometimes I pound water like it's my job. I know. Mistake. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So uh, you know, drinking water, staying healthy. Uh, where are we going? I don't know. What happened to us? What did happen? Uh, you know, we were talking about C. diff. I'm the one that more. had brain fog. <laughs> so I don't have it anymore. It's gone. Well, and that's one of the things we talk about brain fog. You know, the antibiotics were, were felt like it was giving you brain fog. That's where ketones come back in. Yes, absolutely. You know, you know having ketones in your body, uh, you know, it's been shown to uh, increase brain performance. So 
It's well, important. And also that whole mitochondrial thing, like yes. the thing where these antibiotics go in and basically kill the mitochondria, damage the DNA. So then the sad part is then if that tries to replicate, now you've got these crappy mitochondria and DNA. And the big thing with ketones and, and a ketogenic diet is that it boosts mitochondrial health. Mm-hmm. And it protects the mitochondria. You know, I really want that right now. Right. <laughs> Always I want that. But right now, you know, I, I would say anyone who's had a had damage, they, you know, been damaged by fluoroquinolones, I would say get on a keto diet, drink ketones, and see what happens. You know, these are things that are going to help. Usually good things happen. But... Yeah. And, you know, and uh, along with that, I was kind of reflecting back on my notes here and, um, you know, talking about reading uh, the anatomy and physiology book. And it gets into, uh, you know, digestion and stuff. And you talked about mitochondria. And, you know, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, creates energy. Uh, I have never, I have not seen a mention of where calories are in that process yet. Oh, I know. Because this week we had uh, Dr. Ken Berry posted something on Twitter and the goofball bio lane came back at him. Lane you know, Norton. Lane yeah. Norton. He's a goofball, you know. Um, and then, you know, of course, it's this battle of calories. Do the, you know, should you count calories, not count calories? Is it a calorie deficit that makes you lose weight or is it just nutrient dense food? We're on the nutrient dense food. If you're eating nutrient dense food, um, you might be eating less calories, but calories, uh, again, they're not, we don't, they're not real. They're not absorbed well, anywhere. Like I, I don't understand how people get caught up in this. If you, cause if you come at it from a scientific standpoint, there's no calories don't operate in your digestive system or at the cellular level. So how can you keep using them? I know. Well, and it goes back to the whole thing that even if there are calories and they exist, <laughs> then quality matters. I know, and quality that's quality matters. That's the funny over thing is quantity. Is when you talk to people and they're like, "Well, it's just calories." And I'm like, "All right, so you're telling me you can eat just donuts, and long as you maintain a calorie deficit, that you're going to be healthy and be just fine." And they're like, "No, dude, it's going to be quality calories." I'm like, "Oh, so you're talking about nutrients?" Mm-hmm. No, no, quality calories. Yeah, that would be considered a nutrient. A nutrient because if a calorie, if it's calories in, calories out, I should be able to eat a box of little Debbies and. Be just fine, and you eat your steak, and you be just fine, and we both eat at a calorie deficit, and we lose weight. Exactly. And that's, that's how they make the whole science sound. Mm-hmm. That, that's how they make it sound. That's how they make it sound. But we know what we just have talked about, what sugar does, which means a calorie is not a calorie because sugar is void of all nutrients, so it steals them from your body. Right. And suppresses your immune system and puts those white blood cells in a coma. So you got all these like white blood cells floating around like, you know, zombies, like not really zombies because zombies would eat things. The white blood cells are just like in a coma. And, you know, that's that's different than if I if I ate 500 calories in Little Debbie's and you ate 500 calories in steak, the outcome is so different. Right. And because we'll tell you it's nutrients. Like one has yeah. nutrients, one does not. And then someone else that argues calories will be like, no, those are good calories and those are bad calories. Right. And and so that's <laughs> right there, you know, when you lose me. And again, I go back to your metabolism, which is controlled by your thyroid 
and your endocrine system, there, there's no talk about calories in any of those systems. No, it's all based on nutrients. Right. So um, anyway, we could talk about, I could argue about that for days. And it's <laughs> fun can. too. Yeah, we can. Absolutely. Y'all probably get tired of it. We talk about <laughs> it so much. It's a soapbox of ours. It is. So, and then, did you have anything else? Because I think I've exhausted my... my um, Hey, I could go on. I could go on for days. But hey, I know you these people got stuff to do. Do they? So we should release them from their agony. <laughs> so <laughs> another thing is, where are we going to be this weekend? Oh yeah, so we're we're heading down to uh, San Antonio to give a keto class at CrossFit Lackland. I love going to CrossFit places and talking about nutrition because these are people who are like, just give me all the information. And that's the most fun. Yeah. I, I love this. And so I can't wait for this weekend. Yeah. If you pay attention in the CrossFit world, they've really, uh, you know, Glassman has really kind of crossed over into the keto world uh-huh. and he's really pushing that. So uh, this is a CrossFit gym uh, run by uh, Jason Lydon, a friend of mine who just wants to have a class. So people who have questions can ask questions and just learn more about what do, the diet is. Do we know what time we're doing this? Uh, no, I, I'm assuming it's going to be anywhere from 11 to 1-ish in that time frame. Could be different, but we'll put it out if on the you, interwebs. If you live in the San Antonio area, this is not a private event. You are welcome to come uh, and meet us and come to the keto class. So if you are in that area, we would love to see you. Yeah, it'd be really fun. We could hang out and chit chat. Yeah. Talk about calories. Talk about calories <laughs> and the lack thereof. All right. I well, might do a, a cooking demo. Yeah, that's yeah. it. We talked about doing some cooking demos with some uh, some little foods there yeah. uh, to keep everybody satisfied while we talk for four hours. Uh, it won't be that long. <laughs> it won't be that long. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, hit us up if you have any questions. Yeah. But uh, we appreciate you guys listening. I hope you have a great day. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tasco Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to vtkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.